Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of the TV Black Box podcast, one of the biggest sport bidding wars is about to begin and Australian television will never be the same. Netflix dropped Meghan Markle as the streamer's share price goes into freefall. And should TV hosts ever apologise for having an opinion? This is TV Black Box, the podcast. No, that's not what we usually say. Welcome to the podcast where people in the industry get their news. This is TV Black Box. <laughs> it's your first time, it's fine. She <laughs> wasn't in the auto queue. No, you'll get there. You'll get there, sweetie. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is TV Black Box. Bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello, I'm Rob McKnight. I'll introduce the panel in just a wee moment. But first, it was during this week in television history that saw the birth of an icon. Yes, it was 1957 and Australia was introduced to In Melbourne Tonight. Hosted by the King, Graham Kennedy. Many legends worked on the show, including Pete Smith, Bert Newton and writer Mike McCall-Jones. The original series ran for 13 years on the Nine Network. And what a show it was. Let's meet the panel. Hello to our good friend Sarah Monaghan in some part of the US. I think you're in Texas with the rattlesnakes this week, uh, Sarah. Yes, yes. Just went to take the dog outside and there was a big old rattlesnake just slithering through my patio furniture. So I'm ready to leave. (laughs) As you would expect, Aaron Ryan's over in Perth for us. Hello, Aaron. Hello, gorgeous people. Nice to be back. Philip Koch, magazine writer for New Idea and Woman's Weekly and many more, I'm sure. Hello, Philip. Uh, I've never written for Woman's Weekly. (laughs) Can I say Woman's Weekly? (laughs) (laughs) Solid monthly. They they would think I was being very uppity if you said that. (laughs) 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 They really would. Should have notes, Rob. They would. Sorry, my apologies. Woman's Day. Woman's Day. Let's get it right. And Matthew Simmons is a contributor for TV Black Box. Hello, Matthew. Hello. Nice to get the call up. Thank you. Uh, glad you're here. Filling in for Malk. And David Robbo Robinson, uh, television presenter extraordinaire. Hello to you, sir. Hello, Rob. Hello, everyone. I'm really excited. I know that we're doing a podcast. There's not a lot of vision, but uh, Channel 7 has started selling merchandise and it's kind of uh, retro merchandise. And I've got one here. I'm going to show everyone. This is oh, by Tote Bag. Good old with Lucky the 7 logo. Lucky 7. It's the 1980s logo of Channel 7 with the rainbow. And I've got it on a tote bag. It is amazing. They're selling other things like hats and, and, and wonderful memorabilia. I love it. I'm so excited. Uh, so check that out. I want 
want one of those. It's so that good, was, isn't that it? That was the symbol that I started at Seven uh, Under until we went to that double red thing. I love yeah. the double red thing too. I'm actually getting a double red hat for my birthday. Uh, so just, I hope someone's listening to that. Uh, but it's very exciting. <laughs> Check it out. I love it. People were saying bad things about it actually as well. Saying, oh, Seven must need the money. I keep love hearting the post whenever I see it on Facebook. I think it's amazing. I'm so excited about it. Thank you. Lucky Seven Seven. Uh Good, good times. And while we're talking about retro, to go back to our On This Day story, you might remember Adam Boland paid an extraordinary oh, yes. amount for, for the crown, the crown mm. worn by Graham Kennedy, the prop. It wasn't a real crown. Well, it was a real crown. It was just not made of uh, anything valuable. He paid, reportedly, $20,000 for that oh, crown. He had it in a glass just... container. And you know what I did the first time I saw it in his place? I lifted up that glass container and I put it on my head. I said, wow, look at this. And he said, I've never worn it, Rob, but have fun with that. Bless his cotton it's kind socks. of like Kim Kardashian wearing a Marilyn Monroe gown, isn't it? Oh, very topical at the Met, yeah. It was uh, quite interesting to see that. But let's get into the big news stories of the week because while streakers are no strangers to the AFL, streamers are, and we could see the national game coming soon on the World Wide Web. The AFL has announced they are meeting with Amazon, YouTube and the owner of Network 10, Paramount. Viewer numbers on 7 and Foxtel are down as much as 15%, and that has prompted the move to shop the game to streaming companies. The Age reports the AFL privately believes Seven's broadcast is tired and needs to be rejuvenated. Wow, that's interesting. (laughs) That is very, very interesting. But Aaron, I'll tell you what's more interesting to me. Uh, I think it's, you say what you like about the, the coverage. To me... This is a big play by 10. We know that the chief executive of the AFL travelled in the same plane as Beverly McGarvey over to uh, LA to meet with the bosses at Paramount. This is how serious this is. 10 are going to go big or they're going to go home. And I think this is one of the smartest plays by this company for years. If they really dig in and reportedly are willing to spend... $2.5 $2.5 billion for a five-year contract to have the AFL on Channel 10 and Paramount+. Plus. Well, this is a game-changer. I agree with you. Um, as we've seen in the ratings, 10 cannot keep their foot in the, sp- in the sporting pool with second-tier sports like A-League. It's a disaster. Um, and they'd be better off having no sport at all. So... Going for the AFL is no-brainer. Now, interestingly, under the current legislation, if Paramount were to bid for the rights under Paramount+, Plus, that could mean that the AFL, including the AFL Grand Final, could be under a subscription model and would bypass the entire anti-siphoning legislation. But Paramount could also secure a model where they could have some games on free-to-air in the same way Seven does with Friday Night Football and all that, and then all the, all the rest of the games on Paramount+. Plus. Um, and completely wipe out Fox, Foxtel. Now, this is an absolutely this is absolutely a possibility. This could this could happen. Um, so it's a it's a really big deal. I, I don't think Paramount would be looking to take the AFL Grand Final away from free to air. I think that would be too much to scare the horses. To me, this is a play not only for Paramount Plus but securing Ten's future. We know Robbo, the ratings that te- Seven generates by having the AFL. 10 is completely out of the picture. It provides a promotion platform for 7 having the AFL, 9 having the NRL. I think this is a play for both free-to-air and and streaming. 
Yeah, 100%, Rob. The other thing we've got to remember is that James Warburton, the CEO of the Seven Network, uh, said some time ago that 10 is basically a streaming platform and that's the only way that they'll survive. It kind of looks as if uh, they're doing that exact thing by making a play for this. Is this not something that we're seeing at the beginning where they 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 do this and, like you say, um, they won't go for the grand final, but they will dip their toe in the pool at the beginning? I, I think this is really smart decision making because let's face it we can we can beat around the bush as much as we want free to wear television as we know it is not going to exist for a much longer time they they certainly won't get another 60 years so if if there is a a network or a, a streaming service that can go in and say look let's just jump the gun now let's jump the shark let's let's put it on streaming and I think they will be the winners in the future. We we could see a time where 10, for the first time in the history of television, will be at front. Uh, they had a little bit of time in the 90s, um, but this might be the time where they actually branch out and be the winners of a dying industry. To be honest, I think the only problem with that is that they don't have the programming depth to back it up. So, yes, I think they could be a contender for second, having such strong... Uh, mm. programming with AFL sure. so they don't have the rest of the week sorted well, out I agree to with you, yeah. be able to claim a, a number one spot. So sure. if nine had the NRL and ten had the AFL, that squeezes seven, who does have a depth of programming. Mm-hmm. Seven doesn't just rely on the a- AFL for good numbers, although it certainly gives it a lift in the back half of the week. But it, it's got a strong news base. It's got strong programming with Home and Away. It's got strong uh, franchises. Mm-hmm. So it would still be a neck-and-neck neck race. Yeah. The big question, Philip, is how deep James Warburton would go with his pockets is there a price point where he says it is just not worth it? Seven are posting, they've just announced uh, today that they are increasing their revenue forecast. So they are actually doing very, very well and they have turned that company around from the debt that it was burdened with. So the company is being uh, is in good shape because of the decisions it's making, but there is a cutoff point when it comes to sporting rights as successful as those brands are? Well, I think it also becomes a, a you know, it's a bit like the Kyle and Jackie O thing when they shifted from one broadcaster to another. It wasn't so much what they brought to the new broadcaster, it was what they took away from the previous one. And I, yes. think, I think that's a similar situation here. Can Seven afford to lose AFL? Probably. But, you know, it's unknown territory. What happens then? You know, and... One network's building an audience, one, one's losing an audience. I don't know. I, th- I think he will fight to the death to keep it. But that said, um, if you talk to AFL people, Channel 7 hasn't shown the AFL a lot of respect. You know, they didn't play some of those AFL footy shows during the pandemic. Uh, you know, people are quite disgruntled in AFL circle with Channel 7. So Interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if they love the AFL. Certainly AFL people don't think they love the AFL. Which is interesting because it's seven. It's been seven's core building block for so yeah. long. I, I'm genuinely. I, I don't really cover the sports side of things, so I'm intrigued to hear that. I will be honest. Um, I think AFL is very valuable to seven, but we've seen seven walk away from rights before when it hasn't been uh, a, a good return on investment. But ten need to do something like this or it will be a dead brand within five years. This is not only life support, 
this is really a second life. This is like having a transfusion of blood. If 10 pull this off, I will literally tip my hat to Bev McGarvey and the team because this is the kind of thinking they need to survive. Agreed. Agreed. But you can also be guaranteed that Channel 7 is going to ram that price up through the roof if Gen 10 get it. Sure. Um, All right, well, still speaking about sport, and it's the biggest sporting event that only rolls around every four years, and with the 2032 Brisbane Olympics only 10 years away, the networks are racing to claim the Australian television broadcast rights. Both Seven and Nine are quietly preparing for a possible crack at nabbing all of the next three summer and winter Olympics, with the International Olympic Committee expected to launch a formal tender later this year for a long-term rights deal. Nine and Seven are believed to be considering their options about moving forward forward with such a deal, which would take them to the Brisbane 2032 Games. According to The Australian, Seven boss Kerry Stokes enjoyed a private lunch on Sunday with IOC President Thomas Buck, who was also meeting with the Brisbane organising team. Now, that follows reports that nine executives, including today's show co-host Carl Stefanovic, were travelling to the IOC headquarters in Switzerland to lobby for the broadcast rights to the next three summer games. But of course, the event is enormously expensive, with Australian networks having always struggled to recoup their outlay on games broadcast rights. Seven is understood to have lost 50 million in the Tokyo Olympics last year, but the event was a runaway rating success, which helped lift audience numbers for the network's other primetime programs in the subsequent months, and eventually saw it win the 2021 ratings battle. All right, this is an interesting one, Matthew. Seven love the Olympics. They have basically always wanted to be part of it. The games are expensive. Again, we come to return on investment. But when Seven had the 2000 Sydney Olympic Games, nobody was watching anything else. It was a homegrown event. All the events are in the right time. The local broadcaster will see benefit from having 2032 games. Uh, absolutely. And I, I certainly don't blame the IOC for going, hey, here's a long-term deal. Take our other games that aren't going to be as high of a rating success. So that way you can get Brisbane 2032, which is just going to be massive. It's going to be massive on streaming platforms, whoever gets it. So I, to me, uh, Seven's got to be the one that it's going to throw the most money in the ring just because they've been hungry for it for so long and they've had all these other Olympics. But it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if it's it's just going to be a battle in seven and nine. I don't know who else would take it unless it's going to be one of those streamers like the AFL. And it is going to end up being prime video with some mega million um, bid. If we're talking about Olympic Games in 2032 in Brisbane, if if any of the free-to-air networks are still going to hope that they can uh, broadcast that without any kind of pay-per-view, they're idiots. In 10 years, broadcast television will not be what it is now. So if they're not also in the background saying there needs to be a subscription to the Games in 10 years' time, then they are idiots and they deserve the low ratings and they deserve to lose money. That's my thought here. But they're thinking about... Streaming but, and subscription options. You well, they need to be, though, Rob. Seven plus at the last but, Olympics. They which I understand that, of- but there needs to be this thing of, yeah, you can see some of it for whatever is broadcast television in 10 years. But if you think about how far we've come in the past 10 years, where 10 years ago it was a very different environment, you're mm. now looking at something which is going to be much quicker and, and grow much faster in the next 10 years if seven thinks or nine or ten thinks that oh yeah we'll do the the, the classic kind of free-to-air option they're idiots it just won't 
be there anymore. The, the, the market is so much about watching what they want, when they want, um, and, and, and not Justin Freddie Ware. It's silly to think that it's going to be the same broadcast model. Well, no, Robert, you're right. They are buying streaming rights already. So I, I think... I think the only difference is you're talking about a payment option where subscribers pay yeah, for it. Yeah, yeah. We also have to think that at the moment, thing, events like the Olympics are on the anti-siphoning list and do have to be made sure. free to air. Yeah, um, yeah. But who knows where the industry will be in 10 years' time. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, I think TV will still be hanging on by its claws, uh, but it'll be interesting to see. And, Sarah, I mean, NBC have had the Olympics for a long time, but there are... There are concerns within that organisation that they're just too expensive. Yeah, I don't think that you really make your money back on the Olympics you anymore. Don't. And so I don't, I think, yeah, either you, you pay for the bits that you want to see or like most people, you go to a bar and you just, it's a social thing and you watch the event that you want with your friends while you're out doing something. But I don't know anyone who just sits at home and watches the Olympics on their own. There are lots. There are lots of people who essentially put aside two weeks when the Olympics are on and pretty much. I mean, watch maybe everything. for the male gymnasts and the 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 divers, but that's about it. <laughs> Swimmers, track, <laughs> soccer, you know. Goodness me! All right, officially she may be the Duchess of Sussex, but Meghan Markle could now be known as the Duchess of Disappointment. The Great Kingdom of Netflix has decided to execute one of Meghan's upcoming projects. It was set to be an animated series which followed the adventures of a 12-year-old girl and her interactions with influential women throughout history. While details behind the cancellation are scarce, it's believed to be in response to the streaming giant losing hundreds of thousands of subscribers. The Duchess has yet to comment. This story, Sarah... I can't think of any other producer who could have pitched an idea where a 12-year-old girl in animated meets women in their history. Like, it's only because she's the bloody Duchess of Sussex and even that shine is rubbing off and there's brass, rusted old brass underneath. Like... Well, I mean, they haven't produced anything. It was like a $200 million contract and then finally, the only reason they visited, you know, Gangan a couple of weeks ago was because Netflix told them they had to. <laughs> so, like, and then I think people are finally working out that nobody so gives a fuck about Megan except for Meghan? a few people oh. in America who were like, yay, she's ruining the monarchy, and that's it. And it's like, you know, they have a whole joke about enact. Uh, 17 whatever it is um so it's like but i I think like at first it was like oh it's cute and now everyone's like they don't do anything Mm -hmm. they add no value Mm -hmm. they just so woke like do we want to see anything that they make well here's the problem netflix to me had this um uh celebrity cult going on where they just wanted to have big names associated with the brand they were um uh, Starfuckers, that's the term I'm thinking oh. of. <laughs> uh, uh, well, they were. And, Aaron, so they, they've been spending lots of money just to have this association with uh, President Barack Obama, the, uh, Meghan Markle, Prince Harry. And now that the stock prices plummeted, what was it, $54 billion it plummeted by, they're cutting costs. And the shine has come off Netflix. What we're seeing here is the decisions 
being reversed that they shouldn't have made in the first place. And they're actually having to look at what they're doing and realise the Netflix way of life is changing with more competition and they don't have the breadth of content. And their originals, they changed, they actually changed their strategy as far as what they were doing with originals. And I've been hearing quite a few interviews. I know this is a long-winded question. Sorry, I will get to you in a moment, <laughs> But um, it was interesting. I heard um, the creator of Friends who is also the creator and producer of uh, Frankie and Grace on Netflix. And she was talking about how, because they've done uh, 96 episodes, I think it is, or maybe 196, I can't remember. But she's done the most episodes on Netflix than any other show. And she was saying that during her time it has changed. It was a content-led platform and now it's, uh, about revenue. It's about algorithms. It's trying to be create niche products for niche audiences, but the niche audiences aren't there. It's on KCRW's The Business That interview. If you want to hear it, it's the latest episode. KCRW's The Business is a fantastic podcast that focuses on the TV and film industry in LA with Kim Masters, who, who is one of the big wigs at The Hollywood Reporter. Great podcast, if especially if you love the industry and want to know about it. Aaron, Netflix has really lost its way. Yeah, they have. Um, and, yeah, that Grace and Frankie that you're talking about is 94 episodes. Thank you. Um, yeah, you were talking, I think, about last week or the week before about this exact thing, and I think you got shot down a little bit from, from Molk about this. Um, but then, yeah, as soon as the revenues drop and the subscriber n- numbers drop, then, bang, look what happened. They, they're getting rid of those those big names like you're saying, and some of these big uh, big shows. The only thing I'll, I'll, I guess I'll add to that is one of the other sort of bigger stories to this, which I suppose people don't talk about as much, um, is that on Netflix, the, those sitcoms um, that are licensed have been very, very popular. Yes. But they're getting taken off on Netflix now. Already Friends has been removed uh, from Netflix in America. It's going back to Warner, um, and then they'll use that for HBO Max. Um they had the Star Trek shows. They're going back to Paramount Plus. So all of those sitcoms that were, you know, building up uh, Netflix as well are going to be going back to, you know, the places where, you know, for the original uh, production companies and then going to their own streaming services. So Netflix are in real trouble, aren't they? They really are. Sarah, you're in America. Have you noticed a decline in content and quality with the programming in, in in Netflix over there, not being able to see friends and things like that? So we normally just stick with Netflix because at the ranch, that's what, like, we have shitty internet and Netflix actually streams better than any of the other services. Mm. But we just broke down and got Paramount Plus and um, Apple TV. So, yeah, because we were, like, we're going through and it's like we've literally watched everything that's anything on netflix and now we're like branching out to other streaming services just to see stuff and like we'll even tolerate the two ads that are in ncis on paramount plus because it's just it's something new because netflix has run out of things and there's there's not that much on there anymore well how can you have thirty-two thousand uh different pieces of content and still have nothing to watch that is amazing <laughs> yeah. and i will I, I will be honest that line is actually from the creator of Friends, and, uh, you know, she made that point in the KCRW podcast everyone must go and listen to. I will say, though, I do like all their foreign stuff. 
because you know you had Money Heist, you had um, Squid, Squid Game. Games. There was a really good Mexican one called Who Killed Sarah. Um, that the first two seasons were good, but the third season looks like it's like going off the rails. Um, but so if you can get into there, and then they do have an entire Australian section, so I give them that. But if you're into international stuff you can probably find new things to watch, but otherwise there's not much. Well, I have a theory that um, I would be worried if I were, if I was an executive content creator in other parts of the world outside the US right now working for Netflix, I would be worried about possible cuts. Unless your territory is producing content that is travelling really well around the world, like Squid Games, um... I think I think you're going to be in trouble because I think for Netflix, it's all about the US market. The world is secondary. Everything is about the US market. And if they've got a $54 billion wipe of their share market price and they need to make more content, they will take the money allocated for content overseas and bring it into the US market, which means that for places like Australia... If the content being created here doesn't meet expectations, I think there will be big changes at Netflix where we will lose the Australian arm. And I don't want to see that. But I think we have to be honest, Robbo, Byron Bay's, by (laughs) my account, was a flop. No, it, it wasn't. No, no, hold on. It was a flop because it wasn't good content. Now, you can spin that any point. way that you want. You can say that you, you're not getting it or that you don't understand it or you're, or, no, no, you're not you mean in we with can it. be told we're not getting that's it. That's right. That's right. But that we, we weren't getting it. It just was, it was bad content, bad production, hmm. bad casting. If they wanted to do what they wanted to do, they could have done it better. They just didn't. And I'm going to go back to that for a moment in regards to Netflix. I think that with Meghan Markle, they were all very excited. You used the, uh, the staff. Uh, term before, which I won't repeat now. It's a family show, and I won't do that now. <laughs> uh, no, I I stole that from uh, Dame Edna. But uh, <laughs> it's I, a family I think, show, darling. That's right. I think that the, the problem here is that um, Meghan Markle's production company. I think it's Archie Well, Archwell. I, I don't even know how to say it. I is th- that right? No, no. I think it's actually um, show me the money well. Yeah, that's right. But what happened was I would have thought that you would have you would have jumped on it very quickly and made the content as quickly as possible. The idea that this has been in, uh, in development since the middle of last year or last year is the problem. I, I think that Netflix were a bunch of star fuckers. I think that they thought, oh, we're getting uh, Barack Obama, we're getting um, the Duchess of Sussex. This is all very important, very exciting. Uh, and then nothing came from it. I think that's the problem. So a year ago they had a much better brand than they do now Mm. the brand has gone so netflix understandably has pulled the carpet out from underneath them uh and 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 there's going to be a lot of pressure on heartbreak high locally because if that doesn't work you might as well call in the morgue because there will be some dead bodies which and I which I agree with. But it's the same thing as Byron Bay's. I think for a while Netflix has gone, here's some money, here's some money, here's some money, and hasn't really looked at the content of what they're doing. So if you looked at Byron Bay's, but if you looked at Byron Bay's, you'd go, that's a lot of money. No, we're not going to do that. There was also a local movie, and forgive me, um, uh, our listeners will know, um, that was the first Australian production of Netflix, which was a, a supernatural kind of 
surfer oh, girl. One... Yeah, what was that no, one? No, which was the, awful. The one about the mermaids? Yeah, yeah, merf- mermaids. Tidelands. Yeah, which was Tide absolutely Lands. awful. But Netflix threw money at it. So, in a way, I don't have any kind of sympathy for Netflix because they've just gone, oh my God, you want an Australian mermaid show? Great, here's $40 million. No. Like, that, you can't do that. But they did also get rid of Space Force, which had, I can't imagine Steve how Car- much Steve Carell yes. and all those people cost. Yeah, agree. And the first season was funny because it was, like, right after the election and they were making fun of Trump. Mm-hmm. And then the second season was okay. But it was, like, I think they forgot that half their audience are in red states. Yeah. And there's, God, like, there's a huge push again for Trump to run for the next Oh, election. he's running. He mm. told Piers Morgan. Oh, well, he yes, told him he without telling him. That's so you're the one watching. <laughs> I watched it so, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, but that's the problem too, is if you're making super, I mean, it's funny, but only for half the US. The other half were deeply offended by it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you're making stuff that is, too far one direction you're immediately alienating half your audience you know and unfortunately the red states are also the ones who invest in the stock market Mm, very true all right let's get to the ratings race because we're starting to see a familiar pattern with seven taking another week off the back of the voice last week team red was on top with a 31.6 percent share team blue had 27.3 Down the back end, 10 had 17.1, ABC was on 15.5, and SBS had 8.6. 7 took the primary channel as well with 22.6, 9 on 19.2. The ABC moved into third position with 11.1, and Channel 10 was in fourth place with 11%. SBS was on 4.8, and 7Mate and then 7.2 were the top two multi-channels yet again. In the morning, there has been some concern for the Today Show. ABC News beat today on Tuesday, 100. 189,000 to 184,000. Very tight. Sunrise, though, was well ahead at 237,000. Matthew, it's an interesting week at the moment. We're seeing, you know, this this battle between Lego, The Voice and MasterChef. They're getting uplifts in, in, in catch-up. But we're about to hit a new phase with the introduction of Big Brother, which I am very, very excited about. Yeah, and, you know, someone wrote a great article on TV Black Box about how good it is, and I've seen this. I've seen the first episode. I haven't gotten around to the second one yet. Um, but, well, this was for my binge box, but I have seen the first two episodes of Big Brother, and I genuinely believe this is the best series ever. I didn't watch VIP. I had no interest. It did not get me in. It turned me off. Mm. But... What they have done with the casting and bringing the OG housemates in mixed with new ones, and I know this is a a trait that's been used on a lot of shows, but it works to so Mm. much effect here, Matthew. Mm. And It's epic, really. As someone who grew up um, with the family watching Big Brother and funnily enough skipping last year just because i I, so you did too yeah well i skipped vip and and the normal series with with danny i kept up to date with it but not enough to actually tune in every night um but this has got me back you know like just watching that first episode like i'm going to be watching live i'll I'll be watching it as soon as i can because you're right that having the the mixed contestants is great i I only wish that it was a full all-star cast because there's so many more people from the 10 and 9 days who could easily be delivering just as much as what Reggie and Tim and, and Co are doing? You need doing. some for the next series, mate. You got to. You can't. <laughs> you can't. You got to keep some powder dry. 
<laughs> um, Aaron, on the ratings front, you are our, uh, you and Malka are our ratings uh, gurus. You like to look at all the facts and figures. Anything we should know about the previous week? No, it's all pretty obvious. It's been one-way traffic at seven at the moment with The Voice and then winning 5pm Sunrise, the morning show, multi-channels and all that. But nine have been uh, really consistent with the demos and that's what they chase. You mentioned that in the intro. So um, I th- the only thing for me is I don't, I don't think the end product um, and the ratings match with MasterChef. I think it's a great show and well put together. And 450000 a night seems pretty disappointing and there's not mm. a huge uptick in total TV ratings either. So, but um, the cheap seats is hilarious, absolutely hilarious. Um, watch it every week, and, ha- and have you been paying attention? Back Monday week, so that should show a little bit of life for ten as well. Um, while I've got you, Aaron, last week we touched on Reg Tam and the footprint of Seven, and I actually, for full disclosure, I cut out probably about fifteen minutes of us waffling on. Uh, I've got to be honest here. I'm not really across Reg Tam and I understand how ratings work, obviously, but I had a belief that Seven had a bigger footprint and Seven and its affiliates had a bigger footprint than the other networks, which is why Seven was favoured. You've done some research this week and that is not the case. Yeah, that's right. Um, there's some... Oh, this is going to be really boring for some people in the podcast. Keep it, give us Others, a 30-second uh, spiel. But, but there's some confusion in how ratings may be skewed in relation to, to some networks having more reach than others. So I'll put this in the easiest form I can and say that... Make there are two it so types even of... Robbo can understand it. All right, what? so there's two types of reach. <laughs> Joke. I, I right. meant me, Robbo. <laughs> <laughs> So there's network reach, as as in what network or company has what amount of reach, and then there's program reach, as you know what what each program you know certain program reaches you know its audience in Australia. Yeah. So the most important thing to understand is that these two reaches are completely different and have nothing to do with each other. So between Seven West Media, Nine Entertainment Company, and Paramount, Seven West Media have more reach than their rivals um, in regional areas now that they've acquired Prime. So Seven own about six out of the 11 regional markets and nine only have two. Right. So so Kerry Stokes does have, a, as a company, has a, a bigger footprint and voice across Australia. But nine obviously but, has affiliation agreements with Wynn. So, with Wynn, yeah. So this is, but, this is my question. This is the key point, Aaron, that once you answer this, I'm, I, I'm in a good place. With through affiliation, which Paul Keating introduced in, I want to say 93, it could have been, I think it was in the 90s, um, every market, do they have three commercial TV stations, meaning that 7, 9 and 10 have affiliations everywhere, no one has a bigger footprint than the other? That's correct. So there's 11 markets and all 11 markets, regional markets, have have some form or another of 7, 9 and 10, whether it's owned by Wynn, Southern Cross, whatever. How but does that play the- in areas where Imparja is? Is that an additional or does that use a bit of programming from 9 or whoever and their own programming. Oh, no, now we're getting into it. So there's, there's some areas that have joint ventures and joint li- licences, so some markets will be owned by the same company, like so the company owns 7, 9 and 10 in that market. Some have but, like but a 7... But three channels are broadcast even though but, the but same there are company? But there are three full channels. No one is actually doing like a hybrid version right. of 7, 9 and 10. So there's around, you know, I'm just using the Australian Bureau of Statistics, there's around 7 million viewers in regional areas and all 7 million viewers have access to Lego Masters, 
to to the voice and to MasterChef, whether they watch it on Nine, NBN, Southern Cross, Win, or whatever. So when the ratings come out, all the all uh, regional TAM are looking at is how many of those seven million viewers are watching Lego Masters or The Voice. That they're not even looking at the company. Yeah, I'm and not worried why... about the company. For me, it was always whether there's an area that only has the seven signal, or you know, but. That doesn't seem to be the case from what you're saying. Everyone no, gets... so every single market, every single person in Australia in, in a, in a, in, that form these uh, regional bases for ratings have access to a seven channel, a nine channel and a ten channel. Okay, great. That, that clears it up because I've got to be honest, when, you know, when I was neck deep in, in television and working inside it, Back then, we only cared about the metro figures. Nobody cared about regional figures. Regional figures and and having that national number is is really only a, a product of the last few years, five years maybe. But um, it was certainly never the focus for the first sixty years of TV. Yeah, and let, and let me just let me just add. Um, so the ratings reports that we're getting from Oztam obviously just have the five city uh, metro. Let me tell you, by the by, the first of January next year, those ratings that you receive will only be regional. Oh, sorry, will be uh, Australia wide. So but, the change is coming. But who's agreed to that? Like, I actually think there's a place for Five City Metro because the networks sell advertising based on the five cap city stations they own, and. I don't like that at all. I like having both figures, but of course, this is it, it, this. That seems like a blatant play to up the figures and make everything appear bigger. And we know that James Warburton didn't want overnight figures released. He only wanted plus seven figures to up to include catch up, so that all of a sudden free to air TV numbers would rise. The simple fact is that linear broadcast still needs to be measured in a way that's acceptable. I think that I'm calling bullshit on that. I, I, well, no, I'm the not total, the total TV ratings are regional and then the overnights, are, it needs to be the same. Um, and second of all, it doesn't matter where you live. You should be counted. We're all Australian. It doesn't matter whether you live in, in Sydney or whether you live in the region. I understand the spin and I've heard region. that line. I've had Michael Pell on this very po- podcast saying that exact same thing. And he did convince me <laughs> to some extent about that. But I come back to it just seems to me that when figures were high in five-cap cities, nobody gave a fuck about regional. But all of a sudden we need to bolster free-to-air numbers and so, come in, my darling regional people. We love you. We always loved you. The simple fact is they're being used to up the figures and, and this idea that it's only going to go to national figures, it's a rort. Don't you think that um, internet sales and advertising sales and things like that would also factor into this and the desire for this. You know, if you're talking five-city metros, you've, you've got all those big retailers covered, which you don't necessarily have in some of the regional areas. But with, you know, web sales, you know, skyrocketing. Mate, I'm not saying there's not a place for it. I'm not saying that at all. And I understand that TV does, there, there, there absolutely needs to be a consideration for total TV. Totally buy that. We're reporting those total TV figures and we see changes. But 
this this to me, this reporting of national, a year later, we won't get overnights and it'll be plus seven just so that they, uh, a program that's getting 300, what will the figures be by then? 300,000, you know, for uh, 500,000 for a good product. All of a sudden, we're only seeing it seven days later when it gets up to 600,000. Uh, I, I, why, why do you care about the capital city figure? Why, why is that important to you? Why, why don't you care that... 1.2 million Australians watched The Voice, for example. Why do you care that 900,000 of them were in the five capital cities? Does Channel 10 own regional stations? No. Right. So Channel 10 own five capital stations, right? As per yeah. nine, as per seven. So you have an even playing field right there. Their commercial revenue and putting aside affiliation agreements, their commercial revenue comes from the advertising sales within those programs in those five capital cities. I think it's complete bullshit and disingenuous to say we're not going to give you metropolitan figures. But that's that's for advertising. Why, In terms of ratings, why don't you want to know that 1.2 million Australians are watching a show? I, I know I the do. breakdown... I just want the other information as well. Why? But what for they what want purpose? to do is take that away have you, have you, so have that I'm something, reporting something a bigger figure. Something going with coals or something? Sorry? Like, have you got something going on with Coles that you need to know, you know, the figures for Metro so that you, you know where the advertising money's going? Why, why would I that do. be? You don't know my, you don't know where all my fingers <laughs> uh, are and all the fingers and pies I have fingers in. Gross. Well, yeah. I, 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 I won't tell you where my fingers go. I, I tell you what it is for me as someone who just followed ratings very loosely growing up and it was just the five city Metro. So, Always. So for me... It, if they were to get rid of it, like, I just wouldn't know any different. I'm a creature of habit. We all are. I think that's possibly another thing that plays into it is that we're also accustomed to getting the overnight five city metro. Whether that matters in total TV or not, I'm just interested in what that very first figure is. And if, if for years it's been the overnight, then mm-hmm. I, I want that to stay. I want to know if a show is flopping mm-hmm. at 300,000, even if it does great on catch up and gets to a million. It's just, mm. it's that initial thing because that's what I've known for the last, what, 10 years of my life? Yeah. 100%. 100%. This is a diddling of the figures to make ourselves look bigger. This is like Robbo when he takes a close-up pitch. No. (laughs) (laughs) I was nodding along as you were saying that. I wish we had cameras here. I was nuts exactly. I try and always make it bigger than what it is. (laughs) All right. Still ahead on TV Black Box, a new host for the 7.30 report is announced. No, 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 no. No, no, that makes us look bad. It's not the 7.30 report. It hasn't been for years. 7.30. Nobody cares. No, no. If I was listening to this, I always think about when newspapers and stuff say like the 7.30 report or whatever. No. Nah. Right. This is why he wants the five city capital things because he's still <laughs> hanging on to the 7.30 report. <laughs> Do you still call it social security instead of Centrelink? <laughs> oh, my God. This is why. Back to the coming up promo because coming up, still ahead, I mean, on TV Black Box, I'm all a fluster. Uh, we will find out who the new host is of 7.30. We'll also discuss Kylie and Jason coming back to Neighbours and what happened when those scenes were shot. You're listening to TV Black Box. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches. Walkley award-winning journalist Sarah Ferguson has been named the new host of the ABC 730. Lee Sales announced her departure from the program in February. She'll stay in the chair until after the federal election. And congratulations to Sarah. As I predicted on this very podcast months ago. (laughs) Everybody needs good neighbors. It's the ultimate homecoming, with neighbors set to broadcast their final episode later this year, two very big characters are returning. Scott and Charlene, otherwise known as Kylie Minogue and Jason Donovan, are returning to the soap that made them a household name. They'll be part of one of the biggest goodbyes in Aussie TV history. The final episode will air on Monday, August 1st on 10 Peach. Can I quickly say something? Sorry, Sarah, to interrupt. If that doesn't get put on the primary channel, it is a crime against humanity and against Australian television. Yes. Guy Sebastian and his former manager are back in court. And the message? Never underestimate the power of a Sebastian seduce. That's according to Dominic Toomey SE, who told the court, perhaps the authorities and police were willfully blind by the star power of Guy. Titus Day is accused of embezzling more than $1 million of the idol's money in a claim dating back to July 2018. The trial continues. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Back to you, Rob. All right, now it's time to open the TV binge box and find out what everyone's been watching. Sarah, we'll say it for you. NCIS. (laughs) Yes. And spoiler alert, Ziva comes back. And my husband was terrified that that was going to shift my wardrobe back to... I don't know what that means. You're only up to that. Ziva. Ziva. Yes, I'm only up to that because Netflix only had till season 15 and we had to go to Paramount Plus to get new NCIS. Never watched it. Anyway, (laughs) so the only thing we watched on Netflix was Ozark. Um, We've just started (gasps) Ozark. So I, I know apparently the ending sucks. Don't no, 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 don't talk about it. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I haven't watched it. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't want to hear. Um, and then um, Flack on Amazon with Anna Paquin. Um, I've watched the first couple of episodes of that. And then, just because I was bored and I was flicking through what other little apps that we have, um, I found Sea Patrol. Oh, <laughs> and so I'm like, wait, this is if 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 NCIS Sydney is going to be something, and everyone kept saying it was going to be Water Rats. No, it's going to be Sea Patrol, and that is a very special <laughs> early 2000s. <laughs> Love it. Uh, yeah. Aaron, what have you been watching? Oh, a few things. I I watched. Um, I ended up watching Gaslit. Um because uh, Philip was talking about it last week. I was going to wait for a few more episodes to come out, but I thought I'd watch it, Julia Roberts. Some shows I watch in the background, um, and I did that, and I oh, this is only okay. But I thought, I'm going to give this a proper go and watch it, you know, properly, um, and it's brilliant. Yeah, you really have to get involved in, in every scene, um, every part of dialogue, so it's actually really good. It's the one with Julia Roberts, so that's awesome. Um, Big Brother, so I watched the first two episodes, um, and it's 
Rob and uh, Matthew said it's absolutely epic. So I can reveal to readers that TV Black Box will be hosting an after-show podcast on the nights when someone is evicted. So listeners will be able to hear from the evicted housemate directly after the episode airs awesome. on, t- wow. on, on TV, which will be good. Um, the cheap seats, are, well, I've sort of mentioned before, that, that's been really good. The, vo- the voice has been awesome. Um, and then I took one of uh, Sarah's uh, recommendations, being Jackass Forever, because she mentioned <laughs> that there was a lot there of... There was a bag of peanut, pe- Yeah, and all that. It was vile. It was disgusting. Aww. It was putrid. It was awful. It was cringeworthy. But you just can't look away, can you? Yeah, you, no, you just you just cannot stop you, watching. I, you know, you, you sit there with your hands like that, but you're still watching through your fingers. Mm. You think, well, why, why, what's the point of doing, you know, doing that? It's just, but it's, it is really disgusting. But, yeah, it's So I was crash. reading an article and they said that the whole point of Jackass from the very beginning was to make heterosexual men feel uncomfortable. It works. Well, it's, well, it's, wor- it's worked with Rob yeah. then, hasn't it? I, I've never Doesn't watched it. it. I don't know, but just the bits I've seen, it's uh, it seems like TikTok so, videos of people lighting their ass on fire. <laughs> but I could be wrong. I don't we- really know. Weirdly that Aaron said that straight after Sarah said it last week that he went to watch it because I did the same thing, but I couldn't <laughs> find it anywhere. You had to pay for it. So, Aaron, did you pay for it? <laughs> no, uh, I live-streamed it to uh, I will be paying yeah. for it in heaven, He's got I can many tell subscriptions, you. Robert. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, Robo. we just open up Facebook and Inter- I just stream it to him. Yeah. Interesting yeah. to hear that Aaron took on Sarah's suggestions. I will be honest, I don't think I've ever heard anyone take on any of my viewing suggestions, but what have you been watching what, this week? I, I, I watched Is oh, It Cake. Hang on, Matthew's got his hand up. I watched Is It Cake. Oh, I, oh I, did you? I started it and, Rob, I have to disagree with you. I, it just it wasn't working for me. The host Sorry, is just... we're going through a tunnel, Matthew. We've lost connection. <laughs> the host is Matthew, too much. Uh, too much. From the podcast. Too much. But maybe Matthew didn't understand the concept properly. There's like one is a cake <laughs> and one is not a cake. Oh, it's, it's so interesting. We've gone off the rails without Mog. Um, uh, Robbo, Did what you have see you the LinkedIn watching? thing that I sent you about is it cake? It was, like, not actually the TV show. It was, like, someone was bragging about they'd made, like, a Gucci briefcase or whatever that looked like a cake, don't, and so I sent it to you. Don't contact me through LinkedIn. I never look at it. <laughs> Open your bloody LinkedIn and look at it. <laughs> I sent it specifically because it was, actually, is it cake? I tell a lie. I did see something from you, and I, I went, oh, get to that later, surely. It can't be that important. She knows how to contact me many other ways. If it was important, it wouldn't be through LinkedIn. Yeah, call him on the 1960s red phone that he's still got. (laughs) (laughs) Robbo! Um, I've realised last week and for a few weeks, I haven't actually been watching a lot of, um, you know, free-to-air TV, uh, especially since I'm also on a podcast of most of that. So I started watching a few things, went to SBS, watched a documentary called The Abused about domestic violence, and they followed two people in Britain uh, who, within a matter of weeks, uh, had to report some pretty serious um, domestic violence, and especially since we're going through such an epidemic of that in Australia. It's called The Abused. It's on SBS. It is brilliant. Also watched Life After the Oasis, which is a follow-up to a documentary 10 years ago with the Salvation Army and a a, a program they run in the middle of Sydney for disaffected youth. It is a really, really great show and just shows you what what wonderful work that both SBS does and also the Salvation Army. So check that out. Nothing Uh, funny there so far. That's actually all good suggestions and serious stuff. We're seeing another yeah. sign. He's getting to jackass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, 
that, that's why I couldn't watch Jackass. I went to that. Um, the other thing I watched was Star Trek The Motion Picture, which has been redone, director's cut on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, everyone was saying it was boring and, and slow. I thought it was fantastic. I, I really loved it. Also watched uh, Lisa Curry's uh, Australian Story, which went to where last week. A brilliant, brilliant show. Jeez, those people know how to produce uh, wonderful programming. Not only produce, but... They absolutely get the best out of these people, you know. Like, it, that was a great episode. I'll give you that. They really do. It, it's a great show. Yeah, wonderful. So you can check that out on ABC iView. I also watched uh, The Cannibal Warlords of Liberia. Liberia? Liberia. <laughs> How wide am I? Uh, the Cannibal <laughs> Warlords of Liberia on Vice. Uh, really good stuff. That's on the internet, but, you know, it's still kind of TV. And also, like Rob mentioned earlier, Piers Morgan Uncensored. Look, I don't agree with everything that he says, and nor do I have to, but I enjoy him. I think he's entertaining. I laugh at some of what he says. I cringe at some of what he says. Uh, but it's, you know, and, and he says that he's here to make entertaining TV. Uh, I can't watch Fox News, and I won't. But he's, that, that's a man that I can and watch and kind of nitpick about stuff that I like and don't like. But um, I, I enjoyed that, and that's on Sky Love News. It. That's so you're the other one. Philip. Uh, what have you been watching? Sir? Well, I did watch Piers Morgan's the first episode of his new show, the interview with Donald Trump, because you recommended it, Rob. Uh, it went against every every fibre of my being. I did last seven minutes. I thought it could have been Barnaby Joyce with his red face screaming at the yellow man, but it turned out it was Piers Morgan. Uh, I don't know. I just don't have time to have some somebody screaming at me from TV. I put up with it enough from you on this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> true. You are playing true. into a stereotype about me, Philip. You don't people are going to think no. it's true. So shut up. <laughs> oh. And then I also hesitated to even bring this one up. I've been watching it for a couple of weeks, but I know it will annoy you because you could look at it and think it's the wokest show ever because it is a show called Gentleman Jack on Foxtel. And um, it, it's it's a very unusual show because Serene Jones, who has been in a bunch of brilliant stuff, but I know her as um, from a police show called Scott and Bailey, some people might remember. Anyhow, she's just a really good actress. So she plays a, a lesbian in 1830. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Robert, Sorry. I didn't mean to you. Sorry. Sorry. No, 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 that was just leaves a foul taste in my mouth. Go on. Uh, I want to correct you there because I, I know you think I'm uh, – I know you think uh, – you have perceptions about me. I am interested in seeing that show. It actually looks good. I haven't watched it yet, but it actually looks very well, good. Well, look, the first, look, I didn't love it from the first episode, but I thought I'd stick with it. it it's, it's essentially – you've got to chuck out all those ideas about how it's gender fluid and all that stuff. It's essentially a really good period drama. She plays a woman who happens to be a lesbian – but she's more like a, an industri- a, a female version of a male industrialist. She's very powerful. She's very, you know, she's developed a walk like a man. Um, the costumes, the settings, everything is great about it, well worth sticking with. Um, and then I also had a really interesting experience on the weekend, a show called 10% dropped on Stan, which is the British version of Call My Agent, which is, the French show about a talent agency that everyone was raving about about three years ago. I think it's in about its four, third or fourth series, the the French version. Uh, so the English version is basically a copycat of it. And from the outrage on Facebook from people that love Call My Agent, I apparently I've done myself a favour by watching 10% first. 
I've since watched a bit of Call My Agent, and it's brilliant. has a bunch of amazing guest stars in both series. Um, Call My Agent is on Netflix, and 10%, which stars Jack Davenport, amongst others, is on stand. Sorry, is it a drama or a reality show? 10%. It's a drama, but it's it's a drama set in a talent agency, uh, so you have a lot of big guests. It, imagine you had, you know, a very major talent. like Entourage. A little bit, a little bit like it has that feel about it. Uh, I'm intrigued. Yeah, no, it's a ten. I love ten percent, and I love Call My Agent even more. Uh, though, of course, you've got to tolerate the French or the English subtitles on a French show. Matthew, what have you been watching? Um, just a few things. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that we were um, catching up on The Walking Dead. We're still slowly doing that, hoping to get up to it before before the next part of the last season goes to air later this year um also obviously big brother australia check that out that's looking fantastic can't wait to watch that as we roll on um also another version of big brother big brother canada which is just about to finish um at the end of this week um and i believe episodes go on there every week on seven plus but it's a little bit delayed from when it does here in canada um that season has been has been quite good um fun fact tim dormer who's obviously from the australian version also competed in canada he got third he was very close to winning um and i remember watching his season it's the reason why i started watching big brother canada as well so and that that's been really good um but that comes to an end at the end of this week and then the only other thing is, of course, Survivor. Um, the only reason why I want to highlight, particularly this this week, is that um, in last week's episode, there was a really great um, conversation because obviously Survivor has always been about being a microcosm of society and bringing it down. What would these people do for money and how do you deal with different people of different walks of life? There was a really great conversation about race and how um, everyone has a 1 in 18 chance, but some people's one in 18 chance is a bit bigger mm-hmm. or smaller than others based on different ways of how you uh, are in life and, and the, the people that you meet. And obviously CBS is committed to 50, 50% diversity. Um, and this is the second season that we've seen that, but there was a great conversation um, about race and, and why seeing multiple black contestants go out despite not obviously not for racist reasons, but just, it, it hits them a bit harder than what it might for other cultures, especially um, Caucasians. So it was really great. So if anyone could even just check out that la- those last five minutes, last ten minutes of that of that episode, it's just going with an open mind. It's caused a lot of controversy, but if you go in with an open mind and you just try and not put yourself in those shoes and, and you try and take it from what those women were saying, yeah, it was it was quite powerful. Um, and just really goes to show why Survivor's great. Okay. Oh, thank you, mate. Um. I've got to give a big shout-out to the cheap seats. Uh, I liked sort of like the show when it first started. I thought it had a lot of potential. Uh, I thought there were some problems with the show. I watched a couple of episodes. It didn't immediately get better, and I dropped off. Malt kept saying, you can't have an opinion about it because you need to watch it. And I said, well, I'm like a viewer. I've tried it. I sampled it. I moved on. But Mulk has raved about this show a lot. And so it actually did convince me to go and have another look. And I watched the premiere episode and I've got to say it was really enjoyable, fun TV. I really think they've fixed the issues I had with it. It's a much more 
it's a sharper show and not relying on so much New Zealand content, which was one of my issues. Um, it, it seems to have found its groove with the segments it's got. I just really enjoyed it. And I'll be back. The only reason I didn't watch it last night was because I was at the uh, uh, a screening of Doctor Strange. And so uh, a big shout-out to Shout PR because there was a whole debacle where I didn't have tickets, but they got me tickets. And thank you very much. I'm so grateful because I got to see it. But um, uh, it... I've got to say, the cheap seats, well done. The producers worked on it. The big issue now is getting viewers to sample it again. That is always the difficult thing with this, but hopefully World of Mouth helps it this year and it can grow that audience. It's a really good show and well worth watching. It is winning its time slot the first couple of episodes, so that's good. Oh, then I'll just shut up because it's obviously doing well. But obviously Malt's raved about it enough. (laughs) See the power of TV, Black Box. We talk about it, it becomes number one. Well done, TV, Black Box. Well done, Mark. Uh, <laughs> all right. I've also been watching Gogglebox, a bit of classic Doctor Who. Um, all right. John Oliver, there are a couple of shows I need to talk about. Sometimes a show should just do one series with a very smart concept and move on. Your honours, I present Russian Doll, as Exhibit A. Fantastic first season. Loved it. Couldn't get enough. I've binged it multiple times. I've seen that series three or four times. I have watched fully the second series. It is, I reckon, I reckon they were on drugs when they wrote it. Whoa. Uh, I, 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 I think that um, I need to give one little spoiler. I love time travel Stories, anything. I can always follow it, and I, I did manage to follow it. But Jesus Christ, even for me at times, it was a, it was like running a marathon trying to follow the storyline and the thought, and and her uh, and the acting. It's all these long sentences, and it's almost like the actress is forgetting the words and just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna mumble over bits that I can't remember the dialogue to. So not only can you not hear what she's saying, you can't understand what she's saying, and it's all this self-referential. Uh, philosophical bullshit, and I, I just I don't know what the point of this second season was other than it did really well. We want a second season. How do we take what was a, a a unique concept and try to do something else with these characters? It was all a bit wicky-wacky. The rules changed, and then, you know, the rules that they'd established in episode one didn't follow through the whole series. Um how did she pick where she was going? There are so many unanswered questions and and it, it, it was confusing and a real disappointment. So sometimes one great series, leave it at that. Do a George Costanza. La- leave the, you've cracked the big joke, get a laugh, leave the meeting. Um, bullshit, the game show, is the new sensation, I have to say, that I am loving on Netflix. This is... Who wants to be a millionaire full of dumb people? (laughs) Great. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, The Baby on Binge. I don't think this is out yet. Uh, I've been watching uh, preview screeners of it. I mentioned this a month or so ago that I watched the first minute that was a teaser and that I was enthralled. I finally got back to it. And when I watched the full episode, I had to watch all six episodes 
in a weekend. It had me hooked. It was one of those shows that I couldn't be on the phone, second screening, watching it. I literally had to put the phone down. It takes you on an unexpected journey. It is bloody brilliant. I feel like I'm doing Philip Kosh reviews and Mulk reviews here because I've gone on so long with my binge box, but I had a good time. What can I tell you? The baby. Coming soon to binge. It started on the 25th of April, uh, Rob. And I went looking for that show after you recommended it last time, Rob, so I'm pleased you brought it up again. I thought, well, I'm obviously stupid because I just can't find it. <laughs> Brave. No, no, I knew I knew it was a preview screening and I don't think they finally finished all the episodes because there were still, in the previews, the, the last few episodes had some technical notes on the screen um, for oh. ADR cues and stuff like that. So I think it's still... Is it being released weekly, Aaron? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. It's a great series. Like, seriously, brilliant. All right, that brings us to the end of TV Black Box. I think we've gone a little bit over time tonight. Oh, Malky, we thought this would be a fast run without you. Uh, (laughs) I'm Rob McKnight. Thanks for your company. Sarah, Aaron, Philip, Robbo and Matthew, thank you for joining us. We will see you again next week. Don't forget, for the very latest TV news and exclusive, it's where people in the TV industry get their news, go to tvblackbox.com.au. 